My name is Stephen Downey and you are very welcome to episode 13 of the Mindful Living Guide. In this week's episode, I'm going to be talking to Sune Markwich Schulman, who is a mindfulness perimenopause well-being coach. Now you're probably wondering, why is Stephen talking about menopause? Well, to be honest, I wanted to educate myself. It's something that doesn't come up in many conversations, but something that affects so many people. And uh, I just love uh, Sune's mindfulness approach to this. So I've got a lot from this conversation and I really hope that you do too. So sit back and enjoy this week's episode of The Mindful Living Guide. You're very welcome to the Mindful Living Guide, where this week I am joined by Sune Markowitz Schulman, who is based in Oxford and is a perimenopause wellbeing coach. She combines the mindfulness-based cognitive therapy with nutrition and lifestyle coaching to help women over 40 to be the best version of themselves through the ups and downs of perimenopause and beyond. Sune, you're very, very welcome to the show, and I really hope I've done your name justice and uh, that I've gotten it correct. <laughs> You have. Thank you very much. <laughs> nice to be here. Thank you, Stephen. You're so welcome. So, so tell me a, bit, a little bit about yourself and uh, and the work that you do. So, yeah, I, my background is um, I used to be a chef many moons ago, and I have been a nutritional therapist for over 15, 16 years. And I have over the years with so many different coaching modalities and other work that I've done, really developed quite a holistic approach to the way I help women, especially over 40, with their health and their well-being. And um, especially during this perimenopausal phase, transitioning into menopause. So I have quite a good understanding of yeah. all the different aspects of our um, health and well-being. I'm, I'm going to be perfectly honest. And uh, it's something we, we talked about when we, we spoke before Christmas. I know very little about menopause. And I'm sure, like, I, I'm a man in my 40s and I'm married to a lady who in her mind is in her 20s, but she is a similar <laughs> age to me. And um, it's something that I think we should talk more about. And it's something I want to learn more about myself. Um, so could you tell me about, um, about what happens to, to women in, in that perimenopause stage? So I think the first thing to really um, hone in here is that, you know, after well, late 30s, actually, but from the age of 40, women's bodies start changing and starts preparing for menopause. And it's just inevitable. If you have ovaries and a uterus, you'll go through the menopause. And for some women, unfortunately, it's much earlier. And for some, it may be surgical because of having a hysterectomy. But a lot of us don't pay much attention to it because we think, oh, it's something that happens to women in their 50s and it's a long way off and I'll have a few hot flushes and, and then I'll be old. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the idea I had about it as well. And actually, when I think about the amount of women that I must have helped over the years when I was much younger and not actually even thinking that the symptoms that they presented or the the stuff that they presented would have been perimenopausal. 
So yeah, as our bodies are start changing, it's really this change in the, our sex um, hormone production that starts declining. And that presents lots of different symptoms for different women. And it's so varied. So everyone's journey is different. And there's over 33, 34 different symptoms. And many times when women do go to the GP, they would be told that they're too young or, you know, it's anxiety or depression, and then they just give them antidepressants or anti-anxiety medication. But then there's also these physical changes. A lot of times it starts with weight gain, especially around the middle. And you're like, what's going on? You know, I'm eating the same, I'm exercising. So there's all these physical and emotional changes. So a lot of times we don't know what's happening and we dismiss it for either being too stressed or tired. You know, women in their 40s, you know, you know, children, yeah. households, lockdown, there's careers. There's a lot going I mean, on. There's so much going on. And then this onslaught of the body doing stuff. And you kind of don't know, is it because of work and career or stress or is it maybe something else? Um, what I so love, yeah, sorry. No, what I was going to say is that what, what I love is that you, you brought a, a mindfulness approach to how to work with this as well. And uh, can you tell me a bit about how how you feel mindfulness has um, has in a I was going to say an effect, but it that it, it helps with these symptoms and it helps with um, the approach towards uh, perimenopause. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, of course, mindfulness won't make the symptoms go away. Mm -hmm. um, but from a physiological point of view, when you are reducing your stress responses by practicing mindfulness, that has, and that research has shown that that does help women, especially with hot flushes and um, night sweats, because that is due to a big stress response as well. So if you can reduce your stress response, that has a very positive physiological effect on the body. But then also, relating differently to the experience and not be so overwhelmed by it and i think on the one hand if you know what's happening you're in this perimenopausal phase you're not going crazy these are the changes and then applying obviously the lifestyle and dietary changes and getting maybe some other help and movement but then from a mindfulness point of view really but, well, you'll know what I, befriending the situation if you can, and just having a different attitude to the experience. It's, yeah, it's, it's it's like I'm 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 hearing kind of um just bringing awareness to the situation and just bringing kind of a curiosity rather than a, a, a judgment of what what is happening. Um, just to bring your on an emotional awareness of, of what's happening. Would that be right? Yeah, absolutely, and also, you know. Like this happened to me the other day, I was doing a group and I could feel, no, I don't know what that was, but my face getting red and my body getting red and noticing how I, A, wanted to apologize for that, mm -hmm. B, feeling that everyone can notice and feeling really overwhelmed by what's happening in my body, but by just kind of being with the experience noting what's happening in my body, noting what's going on in my mind, and just bringing that kindness towards myself and just going, 
this is happening right now, probably no one notices and just dropping into the body and bringing, you know, that, 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 that connection with the body rather than trying to push it away or make it something different to what it is. And all of a sudden getting up and opening the windows and, and making it, um, yeah, trying to trying to push it away, just yeah. being with it differently. And it, it's amazing in all forms of mindfulness that um, that we we always become aware of that resistance, um, whether that's a a strong emotion that we're feeling or even a happy emotion that we can, we can kind of see a kind of a resistance kind of building up. And it's amazing to hear that within um, people going through menopause that there is that it's it's emotional and physical resistance, and that when you um kind of a kind of I, I was gonna say accept again but it when you you come aware of the situation that how how it makes it a lot easier would that be what you always say that, 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 that kind of, it makes it easier to kind of cope with that yeah yeah, yeah and again i mean everyone is different and you mm. know you use the word acceptance there and i know that can be quite a loaded word for True. many yeah. people but it is at the end of the day this is what's happening um there's there's very little you can do to change it because it's inevitable but how can i just be present with it be present yeah. with it and be yeah. open with it and take action yeah. you know if if it is something that needs attending to then taking mindful action and seeking yeah. out help and that's part of the self-care aspect of it as well Brilliant. And and so in, in terms of your clients, I, I know you, you teach the MBCT, the Mindfulness Based Cognitive Therapy. Is is that part of, of the work that you do with your clients then? Or is there a specific program that you do with your clients? Yeah, at the moment, a lot of my work is, is one to one. Um, so I'm I'll be ready to teach the group program probably in a in a, in a few weeks time. Yeah. But even on a one-to-one -one basis, just applying mindfulness in the way that people eat. Yeah. Um, so, so mindful eating, becoming much more aware of how their bodies feel when they want, you know, yeah, connecting to, am I hungry? Am I full? Mm -hmm. So really helping people with overeating, emotional eating. And then also all my um, sessions always start with a mindfulness practice and then I bring in some of this CBT work as well and then this whole range of, of other tools that I've picked up along the way. Um, but that, and it, it is a process, it's obviously not something that happens overnight, but sometimes, you know, I'll work with someone for six months and then all of a sudden they'll be like, that's what you mean. I. I get it now. I, because it's not a cognitive yeah. thing, right? It is something we have to experience. Absolutely, you have to. I was going to say you have to experience it and feel it and actually and, and understand it that way. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So you're originally you started off as a um, as a trained chef. Um, how did you make or why did you make the transition from uh, from a chef into mindfulness? Yeah, good question. So I am South African originally, and there I, I was a chef and I went to hotel school and then I came to the UK and then I studied nutritional therapy. Mm -hmm. So I've always had this love affair with body and wellness and food. Mm -hmm. But I got to a point actually, um, 
just after, well, a little bit after my daughter was born. So she must have been, you know, one or maybe even earlier where I was doing everything right. You know, she was not having any sugar in her diet. I was exercising, you know, it was just, I was quite controlling about it actually. But what I realized was that, well, I didn't realize it at the time, but I got so angry. I got so triggered. She, the tiniest thing she did pushed me over the limit. And I don't think I had postnatal depression, but I just felt like I couldn't cope. I was, you know, we have no family in the UK. My husband was working away. So there was, and on the outside, everything looked fine, right? I was healthy. I was fit. I was doing everything. And then I started dabbling in mindfulness and meditation and I did a few apps, but never really kind of got into it or didn't see the benefits of it. And then I was interested in mindful eating and intuitive eating from a career point of view. And I started doing research and, you know, really exploring this because I was wanting to see more about the mind connection and the body and, you know, so it was just the whole conglomeration of, of stuff. And then I did an MBCT course, which is the mindfulness based cognitive therapy, which was specifically developed for people with depression. Yeah. And as I was doing this course, I was just like, oh my God, this is me. I think I have not been clinically depressed, but just low mood, really low self-esteem, mean to myself, easily triggered. Like all of it was just coming to the front. And I was like, wow, this is used for people with depression and it's helping me so much. Wow. So that was the first thing that started changing it for, for me personally. And, you, and then you, I was... I was going to say, you, you got to study then in, in the, uh, the Mindfulness Centre in Oxford, which would be one of, for people that don't know and aren't aware, it's one of the leading mindfulness um, places in, in the world to study. And uh, a lot of people who may have done the eight-week uh, MB, um, MBSR programme would be aware of Mark Williams, who is based in, in Oxford. Um, tell me about that. What was it like to, to study in, uh, in the Oxford Mindfulness uh, Association? Yeah, amazing. I mean, it's, um, there's a lot of smart people in Oxford. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm very lucky. I was also one of the last people to have done it in um, face to face as um, just before COVID started. But you know, just the, 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 the knowledge of the trainers and the teachers and being in that environment and, and knowing that the work is so, um, what's the word? Well, the opposite of being wishy-washy, um, just a two week course. It's so yeah. thorough. Yeah. It's, and, so, it's so structured and there's a, a lot of research has gone into that for, yeah, for so years and decades gone into it yeah absolutely so it's research-based it's recommended by nice which is the um, national institute of care excellence for people with depression and it's just such a you know when you see the whole course develop over the eight weeks it's just incredible how it unfolds as well and how much people get from it wow and so you've gone through that process of, of studying mindfulness 
you've obviously seen a massive difference then in your own life, I'd say, and your own approach to uh, situations since then. Mm. Massively. I mean, from a from a work point of view, I'm, you know, I've always been a good listener, but I think it's made me even more connected to my clients and to the work that I do. Personally, I mean, my husband says I'm not as quick to anger anymore, which is a good thing. Absolutely. Um, from a physical point of view, for us as a couple, you know, I feel like we're more physically connected because I'm more in my body and not so much in my head. I think I'm much more patient with myself, with my daughter, much less easily triggered. Um, yeah, I just feel like I've woken up to my life. I think you said something extremely important in there as well. You're much kinder to yourself that it is often that we feel we see all these external things happening and it's uh it's how i react to this person or how i react to that person but often the underlying thing is how we react to ourselves and the kind of self-care that we have brought to ourselves and like i can see that to how, how you're speaking about that is that you've you've obviously brought a lot of self-care into your own practice and um just respect for ourselves yeah, and you know, that self-care thing is so big, right? Because it's a word that gets thrown around so loosely, self-care and self-love and all of that. But what does it really, really mean? And to me, it means to, and I was listening to something by John Kabat-Zinn actually this morning, and he was saying, you know, it's like developing this love affair with yourself and with your life and developing this relationship with, like, if you're not going to do it, who else is going to do it? And for me, self-care was always food and nutrition and exercise and body movement and all of that is important. But this being with everything else and especially in your head and that to me is kind of almost completed the completed the picture. It's, a, it's kind of like turning off that autopilot that we have where we kind of automatically react to things around us in life and kind of just bring in that uh, that self-awareness and the, the self-care into um, hey I'm actually doing pretty well here you know or, or even like yes I'm having a bad day but just just to bring that awareness into it and just turning off that autopilot that we and in fairness autopilot is very important we need it many times uh, through our life but um, it's great to just turn it off and be present sometimes yeah and I mean it's not easy and it you know I, I really don't want to come across like I'm just always sitting in a lotus position and zoned out thinking about or not thinking or whatever it is, you know, I and, I and I think that's another thing with the um, perimenopause as well, is that some of the, especially some of the premenstrual symptoms I feel have been accentuated now and being really aware of that. So feeling like I've got tools to manage better, but it, I mean, my daughter told me the other day, I've got anger management issues. So, you know, I'm obviously not any kind of saint. So, you know, I still get angry. I still get triggered, but the-, the... I think that's very important to talk about as well, though, is that many people think when they see someone that practice mindfulness that, and even like on this show where we talk about it all the time, is that we're always in that zenful state and we're not we're just bringing more awareness and more um the ability to, to step back and respond uh, to events around us and i think that's so important what you said there is that 
we're not always like that. No, but it's that it's that ability to stop and just do before you kind of go down that spiral of self-deprecating. I'm bad. Everyone else is just, you know, that whole thing to kind of just stop and go, Okay, (laughs) I don't have to go there, (laughs) but I can I have a choice on how I react or what I do next time when this happens or in this situation as well. I love that. I have a choice. Um, Sunay, I, I, I always ask, there's certain questions I always ask all my guests, right? And um, one of them is, what does mindful living mean to you? So if I was saying the phrase that it, to, to live a mindful life, what does that mean in your world? For me, it's really been this attitude of bringing this, um, these attitudes of mindfulness into my life. Um, of kindness and compassion and curiosity and yeah I think like I said earlier it's like waking up to my life and and realizing that I am playing part in it and I don't know if that makes any sense but I do feel like I've lived apart from my body and my head for a very long time so it's very much waking up to my life, being present to my life and, and being excited about the next part of my life because I've lived in this days for so many years. And um, yeah, being excited about this, this whole journey. Wow. Wow. And I, I didn't mention this actually before we talked, but one of the things I, I always ask is for tips. And actually, I think really in, in this in this episode really specifically actually to to women who are, are going through pre-menopause is there any tips that you can give them from a mindfulness perspective um from a mindfulness perspective i would i would i would first of all just kind of for for women to be aware that this is happening and this is real <laughs> so bringing awareness to it and from that awareness to bring that kindness and compassion to themselves and in so doing seeking out help when they need to seek out help to not feel like they have to do it on their own Um, but i think bringing that pause to whatever is happening is is a very skillful practice and it is a practice because like you mentioned autopilot you know it it happens so automatically but yeah taking some taking some time and I actually have started coining it like menopause is a it's a time to pause to to just kind of reevaluate and think there's all the physical stuff going on but also what is this next part of my life going to be like? How do I want it to be? Who am I becoming? What is important to me? And being very co-creative in that rather than allowing something to happen to me. But yeah, the awareness, the awareness and um, of what is going on, I think. Sculpting your own destiny. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> Sunay, I could talk to you all day. I've really, really enjoyed our conversation and I feel I've learned a lot uh, myself. Um, one thing you, you mentioned there as well about is about if you need help to get help. And um, I think it's important to mention uh, if people want to reach out and contact you to speak further about this, uh, what's the best way to contact you? So my website is yourbody.love. 
www.yourbody.love. And my email is sune at yourbody.love. And that's S-U-N-E. Um, and yeah, I think those are the main, I'm on Facebook and Instagram as well. So and people as always, them. I'll, I'll put all those details on our show notes so listeners can, can look you up afterwards. Um, Sune, I, I love your website, by the way, as well. It's just, it, it's such a great, great name for it as well. Uh, your body love. Um, Sune, listen, thank you so much for being a guest on, on the Mindful uh, Living Guide. I've really enjoyed our conversation and I know that our guests will really definitely get a lot from it. So Sune, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Stephen. Thank you for having me. So there you have episode 13. I really hope you got a lot from it. As I was saying at the start, like it's it's such a subject that not talked about a lot, but I think this hopefully will open up conversations that um, can really help people. And the mindfulness approach to it, like we said, like just not resisting it, but just becoming aware of it. Um, so I really hope you, you got something from it. As I said, I'll put all of uh, Sune's on the show notes and... If you've enjoyed this and you feel that somebody might benefit from it, please, please share uh, the episode as much as you can. And if you can rate uh, rate it in Apple, I'd really appreciate that too. Um, Also, uh, we have our Mindful Living Guide community group on uh, Facebook. It's a lovely community of people that have come together with a common appreciation of a mindfulness approach to life. So that is the Mindful Living Guide community on Facebook. As always, I've been your host, Stephen Downey, and this has been the Mindful Living Guide.